Section 102 of India, Persia, Mesopotamia and Palestine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume 2. India, Persia, Mesopotamia and Palestine. Edited by Evermarch Tappan. Section 102. Stories from the Talmud. The Talmud, or Instruction, is a famous compilation of the traditional ceremonial laws of the Jews and of the rabbinical discussions thereon. Mingled with these are stories, bits of history and folklore, allegories and parables. The Editor Proving a Claim A citizen of Jerusalem, travelling through the country, was taken very sick at an inn. Feeling that he would not recover, he sent for the landlord and said to him, I am going the way of all flesh. If, after my death, any party should come from Jerusalem and claim my effects, do not deliver them until he shall prove to thee by three wise acts that he is entitled to them. For I charged my son before starting on my way, that if death befell me, he would be obliged to prove his wisdom before obtaining my possessions. The man died and was buried according to Jewish rites, and his death was made public, that his heirs might appear. When his son learned of his father's decease, he started from Jerusalem for the place where he had died. Near the gates of the city he met a man who had a load of wood for sale. This he purchased and ordered it to be delivered at the inn towards which he was travelling. The man from whom he bought it went at once to the inn and said, Here is the wood. What wood? returned the proprietor. I ordered no wood. No, answered the woodcutter, but the man who follows me did. I will enter and wait for him. Thus the son had provided for himself a welcome when he should reach the inn, which was his first wise act. The landlord said to him, Who art thou? The son of the merchant who died in thy house, he replied. They prepared for him a dinner and placed upon the table five pigeons and a chicken. The master of the house, his wife, two sons and two daughters, sat with him at the table. Serve the food, said the landlord. Nay, answered the young man, thou art master, it is thy privilege. I desire thee to do this thing, thou art my guest, the merchant's son. Pray, help the food. The young man, thus entreated, divided one pigeon between the sons, another between the two daughters, gave the third to the man and his wife, and kept the other two for himself. This was his second wise act. The landlord looked somewhat perplexed at this mode of distribution, but said nothing. Then the merchant's son divided the chicken. He gave to the landlord and his wife the head, to the two sons the legs, to the two daughters the wings, and took the body for himself. This was his third wise act. The landlord said, Is this the way they do things in thy country? I noticed the manner in which thou didst apportion the pigeons, but said nothing. But the chicken, my dear sir, I must really ask thee thy meaning. Then the young man answered, I told thee that it was not my place to serve thee. Nevertheless, when thou didst insist, I did the best I could, and I think I have succeeded. Thyself, thy wife, and one pigeon make three. Thy two sons and one pigeon make three. Thy two daughters and one pigeon make three, and myself and two pigeons make three also. Therefore, it is fairly done. As regards the chicken, I gave to thee and thy wife the head, because ye are the heads of the family. I gave to each of thy sons a leg, 
because they are the pillars of the family, preserving always the family name. I gave to each of thy daughters a wing, because in the natural course of events they will marry, take wing, and fly away from the home nest. I took the body of the chicken, because it looked like a ship, and in a ship I came here, and in a ship I hope to return. I am the son of the merchant who died in thy house. Give me the property of my dead father. Take it and go, said the landlord, and giving him his father's possessions, the young man departed in peace. Nothing in the world without its use. David, king of Israel, was once lying upon his couch, and many thoughts were passing through his mind. Of what use in the world is this spider? thought he. It but increases the dust and dirt of the world, making places unsightly and causing great annoyance. Then he thought of an insane man. How unfortunate is such a being! I know that all things are ordained by God with reason and purpose, yet this is beyond my comprehension. Why should men be born idiots or grow insane? Then the mosquitoes annoyed him, and the king thought, What can the mosquito be good for? Why was it created in the world? It but disturbs our comfort, and the world profits not by its existence. Yet King David lived to discover that these very insects and the very condition of life the being of which he deplored, were ordained even to his own benefit. When he fled before Saul, David was captured in the land of the Philistines by the brothers of Goliath, who carried him before the king of Gath, and it was only by pretending idiocy that he escaped death, the king deeming it impossible that such a man could be the kingly David, as it is written, and he disguised his reason before their eyes, and played the madman in their hands, and scribbled on the doors of the gate." Upon another occasion, David hid himself in the cave of Adullam, and after he had entered the cave it chanced that a spider spun a web over the opening thereto. His purse was passed that way, but thinking that no one could have entered the cave protected by the spider's web without destroying it, they continued on their way. The mosquito also was of service to David when he entered the camp of Saul to secure the latter's weapon. While stooping near Abner, the sleeping man moved and placed his leg upon David's body. If he moved, he would awake Abner and meet with death. If he remained in that position, morning would dawn and bring him death. He knew not what to do. When a mosquito alighted upon Abner's leg, he moved it quickly and David escaped. Therefore sang David, All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like unto thee? Trust in God Rabbi Yochanan, the son of Levi, fasted and prayed to the Lord that he might be permitted to gaze on the angel Elijah, he who had ascended alive to heaven. God granted his prayer, and in the semblance of a man, Elijah appeared before him. Let me journey with thee in thy travels through the world, prayed the rabbi to Elijah. Let me observe thy doings and gain in wisdom and understanding. Nay, answered Elijah, my actions thou couldst not understand. My doings would trouble thee, being beyond thy comprehension. But still the rabbi entreated. I will neither trouble nor question thee, he said. Only let me accompany thee on thy way. Come then, said Elijah, but let thy tongue be mute. With thy first question, thy first expression of astonishment, we must part company. So the two journeyed through the world together. They approached the house of a poor man, whose only treasure and means of support was a cow. As they came near, the man and his wife hastened to meet them, begged them to enter their cot, and eat and drink of the best they could afford, and to pass the night under their roof. This they did, 
receiving every attention from their poor but hospitable host and hostess. In the morning, Elijah rose up early and prayed to God, and when he had finished his prayer, behold, the cow belonging to the poor people dropped dead. Then the travelers continued on their journey. Much was Rabbi Yochanan perplexed. Not only did we neglect to pay them for their hospitality and generous services, but his cow we have killed. And he said to Elijah, Why didst thou kill the cow of this good man who... Peace, interrupted Elijah. Hear, see, and be silent. If I answer thy questions, we must part. And they continued on their way together. Towards evening they arrived at a large and imposing mansion, the residence of a haughty and wealthy man. They were coldly received. A piece of bread and a glass of water were placed before them, but the master of the house did not welcome or speak to them, and they remained there during the night unnoticed. In the morning, Elijah remarked that a wall of the house required repairing, and sending for a carpenter, he himself paid the money for the repair, as a return, he said, for the hospitality they had received. Again was Rabbi Yochanan filled with wonder, but he said naught, and they proceeded on their journey. As the shades of the night were falling, they entered a city which contained a large and imposing synagogue. As it was the time of the evening service, they entered and were much pleased with the rich adornments, the velvet cushions, and gilded carvings of the interior. After the completion of the service, Elijah arose and called out aloud, Who is here willing to feed and lodge two poor men this night? None answered, and no respect was shown to the travelling strangers. In the morning, however, Elijah re-entered the synagogue, and, shaking its members by the hands, he said, I hope that you may all become presidents. Next evening, the two entered another city, when the Shamash, sexton, of the synagogue, came to meet them, and notifying the members of his congregation of the coming of two strangers, the best hotel of the place was opened to them, and all vied in showing them attention and honour. In the morning, on parting with them, Elijah said, May the Lord appoint over you but one president. Yohanan could resist his curiosity no longer. Tell me, he said to Elijah, tell me the meaning of all these actions which I have witnessed. To those who have treated us coldly, thou hast uttered good wishes. To those who have been gracious to us, thou hast made no suitable return. Even though we must part, I pray thee explain to me the meaning of thy acts. Listen, said Elijah, and learn to trust in God, even though thou canst not understand his ways. We first entered the house of the poor man, who treated us so kindly. Know that it had been decreed that on that very day his wife should die. I prayed unto the Lord that the cow might prove a redemption for her. God granted my prayers, and the woman was preserved unto her husband. The rich man, whom next we called up, treated us coldly, and I repaired his wall. I repaired it without a new foundation, without digging to the old one. Had he repaired it himself, he would have dug, and thus discovered a treasure, which lies there buried." but which is now forever lost to him. To the members of the synagogue who were inhospitable, I said, May you all be presidents, and where many rule there can be no peace. But to the others I said, May you have but one president. With one leader no misunderstanding may arise. Now, if thou seest the wicked prospering, be not envious. If thou seest the righteous in poverty and trouble, be not provoked or doubtful of God's justice. The Lord is righteous. His judgments are all true, his eyes note all mankind, and none can say, What dost thou? With these words Elijah disappeared, and Yohanan was left alone. 
Proverbs from the Talmud To be patient is sometimes better than to have much wealth. The birds of the air despise a miser. Thy friend has a friend, and thy friend's friend has a friend. Be discreet. The wine belongs to the master, but the waiter receives the thanks. No man is impatient with his creditors. When wine enters the head, the secret flies out. Into the well which supplies thee with water, cast no stones. Say little and do much. He who is loved by man is loved by God. The sun will set without thy assistance. He who curbs his wrath merits forgiveness for his sins. The thief who finds no opportunity to steal considers himself an honest man. When the shepherd is angry with his flock, he appoints for its leader a blind bellwether. The man who sins is foolish as well as wicked. There is a great difference between one who can feel ashamed before his own soul and one who is only ashamed before his fellow man. End of section 102. This recording is in the public domain.